When Dan gives me a thumbs up, we go. We go? I'm going to do it like you. Hi! <laughs> this is Frank Santo Padre, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast's 300th episode. Well, people said this show would never succeed, and one of those people is sitting right next to me. Yes. <laughs> He's an actor, voice actor, voiceover artist, infrequent joke writer, and one of the most... One's for you, Gene. And one of the most admired and popular stand-up comedians of his generation. Of any generation, I would say. Please welcome Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> <laughs> You know him from TV shows like Thick of the Night, Saturday Night Live. Were you on Saturday Night Live? Oh, yeah. The Cosby yeah. Show, Night Court, Mad About You, Sesame Street, 30 Rock, Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Family Guy, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and of course, Norman's Corner. <laughs> I'm going to do this when I do the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> You've also seen his outstanding work in motion pictures, including Beverly Hills Cop 2, Problem Child, Aladdin, The Aristocrats, A Million Ways to Die in the West, The Comedian, and Sharknado 5, Global Swarming. In a long and mostly successful showbiz career that started over 50 years ago. We forgot to celebrate your 50th year in show business. Oh. 2019. Jeez. He's portrayed everyone from Adolf Hitler to Abraham Lincoln to Santa Claus, and he's worked with everyone from Eddie Murphy to John Travolta to Paul Rayburn. <laughs> he's also the co-host of this very podcast, and his probing, insightful interview questions about the deer population in Suffolk County <laughs> remain the stuff of legend. Please welcome podcast guest number 300, a genuine comedy icon and a man who once said he could happily masturbate to the sight of 80-year-old Betty Davis in a short skirt. <laughs> the one, the only, Gilbert Gottfried. See, see, this is how you know we are officially out of guests. <laughs> <laughs> G Gino's guest on 301. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start by wishing you a happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. And Dara, uh, who's sitting here. What is number 13, right, Dara? What did you get your wife for your anniversary? Uh, well, uh, oh, I, that just cheapens it. I have to. <laughs> Should we attempt to uh, to conduct an actual interview? Uh, no. What do you think? No. You want to stay I'm... in the format, or just we're yeah. going to take some questions? We're going oh, we've got okay. callers too, so we're going to mix it up. These people were nice enough to come out and say Eric Fusco is here, Dave Milstein, these wonderful people came out to see you to celebrate your anniversary. You want to start at the beginning? Okay. What do you remember about your birth? <laughs> I want to ask you uh, something I've never asked you. Uh, I know that you and Arlene went to the comedy club when you were 15, and that yeah. was 1969. So it was 50 years ago. Yeah. I mean, in, in yeah, 2019. I went there with Arlene and Karen. 
and both your both sisters. My sister. And you don't remember the name of the club. No, that I should remember, but I don't. Going back a step, and I know you watched Rodney and Rickles, and you watched the Carson show religiously. Was there a point, was there a turning point where you watched these people on television and said, it occurred to you on some level, I could do this? Not at any real point. No. It's like, I I love when people have stories that say, and at that point, I knew. And I thought, real life isn't like one point. There wasn't a, there wasn't yeah. an actual turning point, an actual moment. Yeah. In yeah, time. not not a moment. I just would watch them. I'd start doing imitations of mm-hmm. people I saw on TV and movies. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to the next question and I think I've asked you this in the past. What do you remember from the first set? What do you or or your early act because I know it was impression heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was basically around that time period of, you know, they were still impressionist on TV. Now that's a thing, you know. It's a dying it. art. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the whole idea of, and, uh, you know, if your waiter was Cary Grant, it might go something. <laughs> they do the full turn. Yeah, they do and the come turn. come back in character. Adjust the collar, move their shoulders, muss up their hair. Yeah, yeah. And, and do a whole thing. And uh, But so it was... Basically that. I remember I was doing Boris Karloff and Humphrey Bogart and uh, Groucho Marx. And At it was, 15. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so my act was dated even back then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How do you master a Humphrey Bogart impression and or a Boris Karloff impression at 15? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because your voice can't even drop that low. Right. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I'm happy we had Rich Little and Will Jordan yeah. and Marilyn Michaels and people like that on the show to keep this alive. I mean, and we had a ventriloquist, we had Willie Tyler and Lester, because this is the old showbiz that we love yeah. that's, that's, that's virtually vanishing. Do you have any specific memories of the, of the first night? Did you, no. did you do well? Were you, was it so-so? Was I, it- like, like I always say, I, I may have uh, done badly, but were too stupid to know. Right. So I... I came back and then in the beginning it wasn't constantly going back and then somewhere along the way i said i think i better go every night and then you started to get addicted to it in your words yeah you got then i i did it's like there could be like a snowstorm or a transit strike i'd find some way i had had to get get up yeah yeah. At what point did you start to become known as somebody who didn't mind if he cleared the room? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they used to call you the com- a comics comic, which is a yeah. compliment, which yeah. means that other comedians, which like Belzer and the other people who were around, Paul Reiser in those days, the people who were around would stick around, the comics would stick around to watch your act because it was... Yeah, it, it's like, well, the story I always tell is... Um, uh, like, I started doing Seinfeld when he was just another comic mm-hmm. hanging around. No, mm-hmm. He was never on TV. Improv, comic yeah. strip days, yeah. And and I would do them, and all the other, in the back of the room were all the comics and waitstaff, and they'd be laughing when I did imitations of him. And Seinfeld would be angrily pacing the bar going, <laughs> That doesn't sound anything like me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it was a drug at that point because you've used the word addiction. Yeah, you had yeah. to go up, and I, we're talking. We're not talking about prime sets. We're talking about at that stage of the, of the game, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, often yeah. for seven people. Yeah, I I just fewer had people to. that are in this room right now. <laughs> yeah, I I you had to do had it. To, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, and I I I remember they used to like sometimes put me up at three in the morning. Just to get rid of whatever people. Were there. <laughs> what was the difference between you walking the crowd and Larry David walking the crowd? Uh, well, he would actually get into fights with people. Okay. It's um, he would he would be angry up there the minute he got up st- on stage, and he would often break into an argument with someone in the audience. My favorite moment there was uh, one time he was yelling back and forth between this angry drunken guy and uh, the guy yells to Larry he goes he goes oh yeah well my dog fucks your mother <laughs> and and Larry says well I I bet your dog doesn't enjoy it <laughs> But she, so you weren't directly confrontational with the audience. No, yeah. no. Yeah. And one time, Larry was on stage and this guy stood up because they were like they were going to like go outside, and the guy stood up, and it's like one of those guys where they never stop standing up; they just get higher. higher. Uh huh. And finally, like the the staff broken and i think got him another drink everything on the house and you said about larry in those days that you 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 thought he would end up one of two ways yeah he would he would either be a billionaire or homeless you were right yeah yeah you were right what what point did you decide i mean i I, i'm doing this to please myself as opposed to doing it to to, to please an audience when i was (laughs) masturbating I, I do that. I mean, comics. Myself. Comics who are, who get up every night will tell you there's not a big as you as you're developing the voice and as you're developing yeah. the act. There's not a big difference between killing and bombing because at some point it becomes yeah. it becomes about the art of doing it and the discipline of doing it. Was that part of the addiction? Was yeah, it it, it was a weird uh, thing because you know you'd go on and it it's well what what's always a schizophrenic about uh, and and I and the irony of it is you go into show business because there's half of you that says I'm great and the entire world mm-hmm. is gonna be worshiping me and then the other half that's oh please love me and so right. it's like both of those. Was there, and I know I'm not going to ask you for a specific point in time or a specific date, was there a moment as you 16 and 17, you were obviously getting up 19, 20, was there a moment that it, that it occurred to you, I, I, I could even make a living doing this? And then you had to present that to your folks, which I assume you did at some point. Uh, that, well, I, I guess they knew early on I was going there. And I, it, your dad, and for the people who don't know, your dad owned a hardware store. Yeah, your dad was a working yeah. man. Yeah, he's someone who actually got his hands dirty. Right, and so and, and, when yeah. you when you when you came to them with this information, I think I want to be a performer. I I, it you know the funny thing is, it's like 
you you don't understand who your parents are till you have kids. And then all of a sudden you go, ooh, okay, that's what they were doing all that time. And now that I have kids, I think, wow, I think going into show business is an insane idea. <laughs> Having and, said that, Max was just on The Daily Show last yes, week. Yes. Right. See, he's the one in the family who's getting work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was their reaction? You have any, any memory of I, it? I just, I think they just, I remember one time saying I was going to go back again, and both of them were saying no. And, they uh, want you to find a yeah. vocation, something to fall yes, back on. Yes, or? yes, yeah. and, and you rejected and that. I understand that too, because it's like if you say you, if my kid said we're going in show business, uh, I would think, well, yeah, but if that makes no sense, but if you went to a trash can on the street and <laughs> took out some bottles and turned them in for a five cent refund. That does make sense. Well, they that, obviously, yeah. But they obviously didn't discourage you at yeah. any point. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the first time I saw you, which was uh, I was still in high school. Uh, you had j- maybe just around the time that the original SNL was, was making the transition, and you, you were in the 1980 cast. Yeah. I saw you for the first time in the comic strip in 1979, and I remember parts of the act Yeah, that are probably still in the act. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Say, how many of you remember the big ship? <laughs> you did the John Wayne Gacy bit about the bodies buried yes! in, the, in the attic? Yes, and yes. The- <laughs> I, 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 I said when they, because he was the serial killer. Yeah, from Chicago. The clown. And- right. <laughs> and 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 I remember in the act it uh, it used to be that when they were arresting him, uh, they they arrested him because they found thirty three bodies buried in his basement, and and he said those were there when I bought the house. <laughs> <laughs> I when when I bought it there was a fireplace, a bathtub. And 33 bodies in the basement. <laughs> and I think the rest of the bit is, what am I supposed to do? Go find the guy? Yeah. <laughs> you did the Ben Gazzara bit? Yes. Which is, which you, you're probably still doing that bit. No, I surprisingly haven't done that. He's been dead, what, 10 years now, Ben Gazzara? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you do occasionally retire things. But I, I remember uh, some guy was interviewing Ben Gazzara. And and the guy was familiar with my act, this the interviewer, and he said, Do you know this comedian Gilbert Gottfried? And Ben Garzara is smoking a cigar and he goes, Oh, oh yeah, with the with the eyes. <laughs> and and he says he tells him the bit that I do. And he said that Ben Garzara cracked up and he goes, That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> To a, to an eighteen year old kid, I had I had never seen comedy like this. I mean, I knew I was a Saturday Night Live fan. I was a Monty Python fan. I knew what surrealism was. Obviously, I was a National Lampoon reader, but I couldn't believe that a guy was standing on stage building an entire piece of comedy around a Ben Gazzara punchline. Yes, which is which is ultimately a piece of anti comedy because it's not really even a punchline. Yeah. Right. Do you want to? Oh. Do you want to do the bit? 
See, see, now we know what the punchline is. But <laughs> I we'll do it in reverse. I, I, I. The the bit was I was walking in the country, and I I saw a, there was a large object spinning through space, and when it landed, it was a flying saucer, and then the door opened up and a ramp appeared. And out of the ship emerged greenish-gray extraterrestrial creatures. They stared at me with their unblinking red orbs. <laughs> and one who appeared to be the leader stepped forward and spoke and said, Ben Gazar is a good actor. Why can't he get a series? <laughs> <laughs> How could you retire that? How could yeah. you take that? How could you take that out of the? You also did Ted Bessel in the Georgie Jessel story. Yeah, if I remember the which name, had, which yes. included the line I didn't even understand because it was it was a little bit of Yiddish. It was the Jewish press says. Yeah, yeah, I I, I was because I was doing it as a movie, right? And uh, and I was saying, you know, you know, greatest film ever, Variety, uh, uh, uh blockbuster uh, New York <laughs> Times we uh, the Jewish press says uh, we like Bessel but only a Bissell that's the joke I didn't yeah. get <laughs> for, the, for the Jewish people in the room we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this discover why critics are calling kingdom of the planet of the apes the best film of the franchise what a wonderful day it's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible i need to go hang on it is our time kingdom of the planet of the apes now playing only in theaters rated pg-13 some material may be inappropriate for children under 13 you also did a couple of my other favorites, and, and you did these for years, because yes. I would then follow you. I would go to see you at Caroline's, the long-gone long, uh, long gone Caroline's at the seaport, and you did long sets in those days. Yes. And you did things like Chico Marx in Psycho. Oh, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld in Hamlet, Luke Costello in Citizen Kane. You did that great bit about the, the lever that destroys the Frankenstein castle. Uh, yes. <laughs> Having the architect put yeah, that in when he builds the kit. I, I, I used to go to the <laughs> mic and and I yell, don't pull that lever, it, uh, it'll blow up the castle. And I uh, goes, yeah, when I bought the castle, they said, you want a lever to blow it up? Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if I don't do it, then you're going to have to find somebody to install it, and it's going to cost a lot more. <laughs> Because I loved the horror films that had a lever to blow. Right. And I would say, why would... And, and then I'd go, oh, also in the bit, I would go, now I have to be really careful that I don't throw my jacket on it when I walk in. You still doing any of those? Do you still do the lobster trick-or-treating the pl for the plankton? Oh, with a napkin? I haven't done that for a while. Yeah. We had a conversation. I approached you at the bar at the at Caroline's at the Seaport, and we had a, a twenty minute conversation about Tor Johnson. <laughs> and that's that's the first time we spoke. And then we wound up working together in nineteen ninety two. What was this? The uh, um... Caroline's Comedy Hour. Yes. Yeah, I was a writer on that show, and you were. We brought you on to play Robert Redford in an indecent yes. pro proposal parody. 
And I cherish I cherish that tape. It's great. Yeah. It's you attacking people with a pool cue and a tuxedo. And my parents were there, so they're they're uh, they're in the shot. So I'm very sentimental about. Uh, was was it twice? Because then there was also there was that one. Yeah. And then uh, was it another one I did with Rich Jenny? You did. Uh, well, it was the same bit. Oh, same, it was let's yeah. make a deal. Yeah, oh, you oh, came okay. on. You came on as as Robert Redford in a talk, yeah, and yeah, then you offered him what was behind the curtain, if he could, if you could spend the night with his yes. with his with his wife or with his girlfriend at the time. Um, we're going to take a couple of calls, but before we do that, I want to hear. I think the crowd wants to hear too. Now that we set it up, just a little bit of Chico Marx in Psycho. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing everybody with a one word. I still. You still do the Lugosi bit about yeah. someone asking him the time? Yeah, yeah. First, well, the first one was Humphrey Bogard in the post office. Stamps. <laughs> <laughs> and Humphrey Bogard buying a cute stuffed animal. Snoopy. Ah. <laughs> uh, Lou Castello in Citizen Kane. Well, uh, this is where he's, I, I'm acting like I'm holding, uh, you know, one of those uh, snowballs. Right, things. the snow globe. Yes, yeah. snow globes. <laughs> and Chico Marx in Psycho. Oh, sure, we got plenty of rooms. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. That made me so happy when I was 20 years old. And then also in that was Chico Marx in 12 Angry Men. Oh, yes. Oh, sure. He's a plenty guilty. <laughs> and Chico Marx in Hamlet. Hey, you're not my father. <laughs> and to cap it off, because I remember your act better than you do. Oh, yes. Chico Marx in A View from the Bridge. Oh, 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 ah, uh, hey, this is a some bridge, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Let oh, and Chico Marx in <laughs> Waiting for Godot. <laughs> this is going to be a one-man show. Hey, it's a getting late, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you want to take a couple of phone calls? Okay. And then we'll come back to this craziness. Dan, do we have anybody on the line? Uh, yeah, we have Catherine in California, a question about Penn Jillette. A woman. Ah. So rare yeah. that women <laughs> call this show or reach out to the show. Catherine, we're here. Welcome to the show. Can you Hello, hear us? Hello, long-time caller, first-time patron, patron. Oh, well, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. That's very sweet. Say hi to Gilbert and wish him a happy yeah. anniversary. Hi, Gilbert. Happy anniversary. Thank you. What's the question? I about didn't say, oh, dude. thank you. <laughs> he did not say, oh, thank you. What's the question about Pendulet? Well, first I wanted to ask, uh, do, do you remember me, Gilbert? I'm the stick that you called the guinea last year, I want to say. The what? The stick that he called the guinea when I, the last time I called. <laughs> it certainly sounds like She's me. <laughs> So you're a speak who I called a guinea? Was this at your request, or did he just... I'm, I'm sorry if, if I accuse you of being Italian. That's, 
to me, that's the worst thing you could say to another human being. <laughs> Very good. Well, what's what's the question, though, Gilbert? I, I treasured it. I treasured it. <laughs> she treasures being insulted. Okay, Gilbert. Do you remember? Oh, geez, this was 14 years ago, back when Penn Gillette had a radio show. Yeah. Uh, you were on a few times, Gilbert, but one time. You went on, and Penn did not have his co-host on there, and you guys just riffed for, like, 40 minutes just talking about the greatest things, started doing, like, an old McDonald's song on uh, Floyd the Barber, how he had a stroke. <laughs> Sounds like him. <laughs> Any memory of this? Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Well, anything that has to do with stuff like that. Like what's, what's the bit Floyd about Floyd the Barber having a stroke? Oh, Okay, because uh, <laughs> I do, uh, well, first I do Bob Dylan uh, talking to Floyd the Barber. And it's like, hello, Floyd. Hello, Bob. Who are you, Floyd? I'm fine. Uh, 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 Bob. Would you give me a hug? Flood over right away, Bob. And then I do, and see, this is a sight gag where I go, uh, Bob Dylan talking to Floyd the Barber in the season after he had a stroke. Oh, great. And I go, hello, Floyd. And then I just do like my hand by my side and my mouth opening and closing. <laughs> Because Floyd... Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a stroke. Howard McNear was the name of that actor. And yeah. you could see in in a lot of the Andy Griffith shows where he's like sitting in the barber chair. Yeah, he didn't stand up after that. Yeah, and he'd have one hand holding a newspaper like he's sitting in his own barber chair. Like, I guess it's a slow time in the day or something. <laughs> we do a lot of stroke humor on this podcast. <laughs> I've noticed. Catherine, thanks so much for your question and for and for calling in and for supporting the show. Thank you. Oh. We appre- we appreciate it. We'll take one more quick one, Dan, before I go back to the cards. All right, here is Jeff on uh, meeting your comedy icons. Jeff on meeting your comedy icons. I'm like Ed McMahon repeating everything. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you're on the show. Say hi to Gilbert. Hey Gilbert, how's it going? Hi. Hey, you guys, I'm a super fan of the show, and you guys are doing a real service, and you're you're just a national treasure. So thank you both so much for How what sweet. you do, first of all. It's true. So, <laughs> so Very sweet. What what is what is your question, Jeff? So so Gilbert, I know you got started in comedy at a young age, so I assume you met your comedy, you know, heroes and, and comedy icons at a young age, so who was the first like comedy superstar that you met and and what was that encounter like what were you thinking and feeling when you met your comedy hero first comedy superstar I, yeah that you I, encountered I, uh, I mean most of them were dead when i was uh, yeah <laughs> it's like but i uh, let's see well you I, met hackett you met a I, lot of yeah, these guys i did you met yeah. jerry lewis became a fan of yours obviously yeah hackett i met Henny, and, Henny Youngman you met many times. And Hackett, uh, <laughs> Hackett, 
<laughs> cracking yourself up. <laughs> Tell us a story. Sorry to stump the band. Yeah, well. Oh, hang on, ha- he's got a Hackett story. Okay. <laughs> Hackett tell, tells a story about, uh, uh, you know, because it was well known. Is this a Gino Salamone yeah. story? <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> That, <laughs> that Bing Crosby used to beat his kids. Yeah. <laughs> and someone said to Buddy Hackett, did, did you know that Bing Crosby used to beat his kids? And Buddy Hackett said, you want to know why Bing Crosby <laughs> beat his kids? Because Bing Crosby... Couldn't get a high on. <laughs> so it's that a lovely made me story. picture Bing Crosby with a pipe going, Well, uh, uh, I can't get a b- 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 boner. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, does that answer your question? <laughs> I love it. That's oh, and Jerry Lewis. Possibly hope for. Thank you for the call and the kind words. We appreciate it. Jerry Lewis. Thanks for everything, guys. Thanks, man. Uh, I he's one of those people I can use that classic line. Right, sure. Well, well, he was always nice to me, and that's always says so much. And and the best thing I heard he said to me was one time I was doing a show. He was like the man of honor. I think it was like a roast. And after I got off stage, Jerry Lewis uh, came up to me with that stern Jerry Lewis face and goes, uh, Gilbert, you are out of your fucking mind. <laughs> and then there was a pause, and he said, and I wouldn't want you any other way. And I thought, great. you can't ask for a better compliment. You made it. Yeah. You made it in show business. Since I brought up Saturday Night Live... Yes. And when I saw oh. you, when I saw you Worst on stage, season, yeah. <laughs> when I saw you on stage in 1979, you were just about to get that gig. Yeah. Which you called uh, you've often said it was like following the Beatles. Yeah. And with four strangers. Yeah, it was either like the Beatles or when like in the middle of Beatlemania, the Beatles left and you said we're continuing the Beatles without them. <laughs> or if, if <laughs> if when with Beatle, with, replacing them with Beatlemania, yeah. yeah, or if when Friends was at its peak, if the whole cast, if it was recast, you were young, you were twenty five, yeah. And you, did you have any idea what was happening to you? That now you've been in stand up ten years, and suddenly you're working at Thirty Rock on the most high, high profile but, comedy show on television. You know what shows how how dumb I was, and how how unrealistic and out of it I was. Like, I heard people talking about how they'd go up, they were nervous, they were, you know, having a fit, like auditioning for Saturday Night Live, and they hated everybody in the room as their competition. Mm-hmm. And and I remember I wasn't at all nervous, and I didn't care that there were a billion other people there. When they announced I got it to me, I was like, oh, well, all right. So, And that's how unrealistic, totally, 
Yeah, yeah, like someone with yeah. a normal brain in their head <laughs> would have been nervous. Well, you were young. I mean, it's yeah. some, it's something that 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 an older person might have more appreciation yeah. for, or more 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 self awareness. At you 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 were just you know you were well, you were playing the game. You were what ten years into yeah. this. And and it's like when when they were when they announced uh, when when they told me I was fired. Well, oh, the firing was a great uh, thing because. They uh, they they fired the the producer Gene Demanian, and um, uh, and I, that was also I remember the way I found that out is I was sitting in uh, some empty office with Eddie Murphy, and you know it wasn't all right. We were just hanging out there, and then some guy sticks his head in the door and he goes, oh. Uh, uh, Eddie, uh, so-and-so, like a big name there, an exec, uh, wants to talk to you. And he, he picks up the phone and he goes, yeah? Huh? Oh, shit. And he goes, no, 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 I won't tell anybody. And then before the phone's even back uh, hung up, he says they just fired Gene. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then so they... She was fired. They got in. Uh, Dick Ebersole. Dick Ebersole. Dick Ebersole announced to us, I'm just making a few minor changes. You'll take the week off. And then he was having people come in his office one after uh, another, uh, one at a time. And I was hanging out uh, there to wait to go in. And they used to have a table that had uh, I love fan this story. Mail. And I pick up a. Uh, Letter there, I see addressed to me from some girl in Omaha, and I open it up and it says, "Dear Gilbert, I'm so ha- I'm so unhappy about what happened to you." <laughs> so she knew before I even knew. Yeah, the woman who sent you fan mail. Yes. From where? Yeah. Oklahoma. From, yeah. Something. <laughs> knew, somehow knew you were getting the short haircut. And and and, and I remember after that. Also, the unrealistic thing, I didn't feel terrible. You said you weren't devastated. No, I no. wasn't devastated. The only thing, the only un, uh, other unrealistic thing that I realized later, I thought, oh, God, everybody's going to remember me as that guy from Saturday night. To, uh, and now I feel like they forget you right away. And if they do remember you, I could say I was in any season I want. Right. <laughs> and it, say it, you were an original member with the with the. Uh, yeah, say it was you, yeah. Ackroyd and Belushi. I could mix up. Sure. From different, and it's it's kind it's to me, like kind of like you know those movies you watch with the cavemen fighting the dinosaurs. You know they were millions of years apart, but. In everyone's mind, that's what they I, I like the way you've sort of dined out on SNL being <clears throat> one of your worst jobs, one of the wor- low Horrible. points in your career. Almost yeah. the way Jack Benny talks about the horn blows at midnight. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Gleason referring to the game show, the failed game show. But when you did come back for the 40th reunion, was it? Yeah. The 40th reunion show? What did Lauren Michaels say to you? That, that was shocking. Uh, he, well, first of all, he just said hello to me. <laughs> and, and that which was because he had never... I'd run into him once before. I'd never spoken to him. And uh, he said, oh, you know, uh, good to see you here. And and I s- thought, I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed I, I was invited back after my season. 
<laughs> and and he said, well, you're another brick in this wall. It's nice. Yeah. And I want to thank you for uh, booking on the podcast all the people that you hung out with that night <laughs> on the show. I thought uh, Eddie, Eddie uh, Penny Marshall and Jim Carrey were three of our best shows. <laughs> Do we have to break for something? Oh, you need to take a pill. I, I could do that without... Any pill? Yeah, just anything <laughs> at all. Give him a, like a St. Joseph's this, baby aspirin? No, this is a pill I got from Adolf Eichmann. <laughs> all our podcast guests stopped to take a pill about halfway through the show. You know, by the way, I've had a hard time finding SNL on your IMDb page. I know you don't control that, but it was interesting. Yeah. Oh, it that, made, it, I was very happy It, it made me that. think that somehow there was a conspiracy. Where you there, hit it. I never see reruns of it, which makes me uh, static. The first thing I found on there was Toast of Manhattan with with uh, with Paul Reiser. Yes, I couldn't and, find... And, and I, I sung it to him, and he, even, he didn't remember <laughs> yeah. it. The uh, it, I remember the... I was doing one character that was described as a middle-aged man, and this was like, uh, between the producer and makeup artist, this was middle-aged if, uh, you know, Dorian Gray. On the Riser Show or SNL? Uh, on on uh, Toast of oh, Manhattan. Oh, Toast of Manhattan. Toast of Manhattan, by the way, to bring people up to speed, was a failed pilot that Barry Levinson created. You gave him shit when we had him uh, on, the, yes. on the show. <laughs> With you, it was you, Carol Liefer, Paul Reiser. Didn't go anywhere. It was a yeah. sort of a. It was a sort of an Ed Sullivan show, a, a backstage look at yes. a at a yeah. popular was, Saturday Night Variety show. It was kind of like show. the Muppet Show, but people. Got it. Instead of puppets. Right. Right. And uh, yeah. And no, you were playing an old man in an yeah. old man makeup. Well, and I, I while well, I was doing that character, I did on stage, which you didn't mention. Which one? When I used to break into, well, I used to call him Murray Abramowitz. <laughs> I, it, during my act, I, I put on a big pair of glasses. <laughs> now I don't have to I buy I forgot about Murray. <laughs> now I'm already wearing those glasses. <laughs> the Swifty Lazar like, glasses yeah, with yeah. the giant... Swifty Lazar, right. uh, Ed McMahon, right. and Dean Martin. And Harry Carey. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I would put on the glasses uh, every so often in the act and go, that's not funny. Why does he think that's funny? That's not a joke. <laughs> Are you still doing this? Is off the off the uh, page? Are you still doing the the turtle bit with the plastics? Uh, the I plastic done palm it tree for a while, yeah. but I'll have to bring. I, I was <laughs> in bring it all Canada. Back. Yeah, I was in Canada, and the guy remembered every bit that I did, and he wanted to hear that, so I did it uh, just like. I don't know, a year or two ago in Canada. Yeah, the angry, the angry turtle with the plastic yeah. palm tree. I always love that. Uh, let's take another couple of calls, and then we're going to play a little game. Yeah. Dan, who's on the line? All right, we have Morty in Seattle. It's uh, Morty in Seattle? Bob Denver question. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that again. Always ready Gino for that. Gino may, may have to field this one. <laughs> Morty, thanks for calling in. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you, Frank. Uh, congratulations, Gilbert, on your 300th anniversary uh, episode. 
if so, if I may um, if I may interject, one time I was doing an event <laughs> <laughs> with Grandpa Munster. <laughs> Eddie Munster. For those of you, for those of you that now, don't, Eddie, it was the afternoon. He was already drunk. I want to explain to people what he's doing. Our friend Gino Salamone is here in the room. How about a little hand for our friend Gino, who who works very hard on this show and helps book talent on this show and has booked some of our our. No, our that best, I got him. Our best guest. Yeah. And the running gag that's going on is Gilbert takes delight in stealing all of Gino's best anecdotes and best stories and then claiming them as his own. And that's, what, that's what's actually happening here. One time. <laughs> Morty, Morty we'll get to you. Hang on. This was, this was my favorite kid show host, Big Lee. And I lived in Milwaukee at the time. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> Who and, knew? And, and Big Lee said to me, he said, hey, you know, he talked like, yeah, like that. And he said, you know, we were sitting at a bar and he said, you want to have a scotch? And I said, no, I don't drink. And, and Big Lee, I remember it like it was yesterday, <laughs> leaned into me and said, do you have an aversion to cunt? <laughs> No, it was gun. He got the story. He steals the story and makes it his own. He has to. He has to put a Gilbert, a little Gilbert twist. (laughs) (laughs) Let's ask. I just, I just spied a a Tor Johnson shirt right there. Speaking of Tor Johnson, very good. We oh, we forgot who's on the phone. No, (laughs) it's Morty from Seattle. Morty, what's your question? Oh, one thing I gave Gilbert a Tor Johnson pin when he was in Tacoma, Washington, in his last um, comedy tour. By the way, it's coming full circle. So, Do you remember Morty giving you a Tor Johnson pin in Seattle? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> See? Morty, he remembers it vividly. What's the question? I'm sure he does. Well, the question is: on Thick at Night, he he dressed up as Gilligan. You dressed up as Gilligan on Thick of the Night. Yes, I did. With Bob Denver. Yeah, Bob Denver was the guest on the show, so I came out uh, dressed as, uh, yeah, was and that uh, the amount of laughs it's getting is the amount of laughs it got on <laughs> Thick of the Night. Was was there an actual question attached to that, Morty? Well, the question is, what is it like, you know, imitating somebody in front of the person? I mean, oh, what's it like imitating? That's a good so. question. What's it like imitating someone right in front of them, in well, front of the person? The the funny thing about that is, I didn't actually do an imitation of him, and I even walked up to him and said, "I'm going to be imitating you on the show. You got any pointers?" And he said, uh, "Just say skipper a lot." <laughs> <laughs> He offer you a joint, Bob Denver? Oh, I wish. He liked his, See, we, he liked we his cannabis. We didn't ask Marianne this, but I heard Marianne was was getting uh, was uh, procuring marijuana. Why on earth would she answer that truthfully? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was breaking the law. <laughs> we, we did have Don Wells on the show. Thanks so much, Morty, for the question. All right. Thank and th- you for having and me. And thanks for supporting the show, too. We appreciate it.
We're going to play a silly little game. This is a variation. We'll do more calls, and then we'll have questions from you guys. Um, we had Doug Benson on the podcast. You guys know who Doug Benson is? He's got a very popular podcast, and he likes to play a lot of games, and they do that Leonard Malton yeah. game. So as, not to, so as not to disappoint Doug, I came up with a game, um, and this was, uh, we're calling it Questionable Character, and we did it with Gilbert and Doug, but I thought I would do it with Gilbert because it's fun. Did you, Gilbert, yeah. play a character with this name? Let's see how much you remember about your acting career. Yes. And we did with Doug, we did just features, but I'm going to jump around. Yeah. And I'm gonna, we're going to test your memory. And these are super fans. They may know. Yeah. Did you or did you not play a character? This is an easy one. Did you play a character called Pigman? Pigman? Pigman. Now, that one I don't remember. Okay. It was in a movie called Abnormal Attraction. Oh, okay. With okay. Malcolm McDowell. Listen to this cast. Malcolm Mcdowell, Bruce Davison, good actor, and Ron Jeremy. Yeah. How could See, you forget so you that? know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> How this movie was never released is beyond me. Escaped. Yeah. It wasn't released. Did you play a character named Mr. Elbow? <laughs> Dara shaking her head no. I can't. I don't remember that. It was a college humor short. This was me cheating. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing fair here. Called Practice Kissing Hand Fail. No, no memory no, of that. None. Okay, I'm rating your IMDb page. Yes. Did you play a character called Howie Hunsacker? That now that one sounds familiar. Ah, <laughs> uh, ooh, but I don't remember for the life of me. You want to say? Give me an answer. Give me an answer. No. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I walked into that. I mean, did, did you or did you not play this character? Yes or no? Uh, I'll say yes. Uh, Howie, yeah. Hans, Howie Hunsacker is a character from your favorite movie, The Swimmer, pl oh, played by my. Bill Fiore. Yes. Bill Fiore was the guy in the old Right Guard commercials who opens the medicine chest. Chuck McCann. Hi, guy. See, and he would, and he, we always say, People who would have been ideal guests. Yeah, that would have been a this. killer nine-minute interview. <laughs> <laughs> With Bill Fiore. You know who else is in the uh, swimmer? And and he's like uh, the guy working the, uh, you know, this public pool. And I think, and, and I wonder if he's done anything else. I think they had... John Garfield Jr. Really? Yeah. I didn't even see him in the credits when I was researching this. Yeah. Joan Rivers is in it. Yeah, Joan Rivers is in yeah. it. And uh, who's seen the swimmer here? Gilbert recommended it when he was on TCM with Robert yeah. Osborne. Yeah, an interesting film. Yeah, an interesting film worth they still worth seeing. Make those really strange. Yeah, it was a vanity project that I think Lancaster bankrolled himself. Cause yeah, because he, he wanted to do it. And oh, there's another movie. I think it might be uh, 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 you know, it might be like I was a teenage Frankenstein or or uh, you know, whatever. It was about some girl Frankenstein monster, Frankenstein's daughter, mm -hmm. that I think has someone, a son or daughter of Buster Keaton. I got to look that up. Yeah. Wow. Did you play a character called Rick the Platypus? 
Dara's that, saying, yes, you did. That sounds like I did, yeah. Dara's your lifeline yeah. in the audience. You did in a, in a cart. Did you know the show, Dara? Uh, no. It was called My Gym Partner's a Monkey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the title. Or vaguely. maybe it was Gino that played it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I recorded it in Milwaukee. <laughs> and the cast was <laughs> Grandpa. Butch Monster, Patrick. Butch Patrick. And surprisingly, uh, a kitty show host, Big Lee. <laughs> He's got the story wrong, right, Gino? He's got the Big Lee story wrong. Only a couple more of these. Did you play a character named Mr. Harry Carp with a K? I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad he has such a working knowledge yeah. of his own career. Yes, in the, in the classic Rodney Dangerfield movie, Meet Wally Sparks. Wow. That was your character. I didn't even know that character had a name. That's <laughs> not a good sign. And, and it was in the opening of the movie, so there are credits coming up as I'm on screen. <laughs> and, and, and I'm on screen with Julia Sweeney. Uh, and uh, we're like some couple. It's supposed to be that he's like, one of these, like, uh, Jerry Springer type. Oh, you were a Gonzo talk show host? Like well, a, like yeah, a tabloid? They, he was. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I've never seen Meet Wally Sparks. I apologize. Yeah, I did too, Rodney Dangerfield. Yes, movies. I don't have a question about uh, Back by Midnight. Yes. <laughs> that one I, I never saw. I don't know. I don't know anyone who saw Wally Sparks. Did you play a character named Jack Pollocksfen? And I'll spell it. P-O-L-L-E-X-F-E-N. I also don't remember. You did not. No. <laughs> he was the director of one of your favorite movies, The Indestructible Man. Oh, with Lon Chaney Jr. With Lon Chaney Jr. See, these are tr some of these are trick questions. Yeah. Meant to deceive. And, okay. It, so it's Lon Chaney Jr. and... Uh, Joe Flynn. Uh, yeah. From McHale's Navy. Yeah. And Robert Shane right. from Superman. That's right. And uh, Casey Adams. Also known as Max Showalter. That's right. I've been listening to this show too long. <laughs> Did you? We'll do these quick. Did you play a character named Amos Kairos or Amos Kairos? It sounds like I would have, but I don't remember. Dara, you have a vote? Yes. Dara says you definitely played a character named Amos Kairos. And Dara knows your career as well yeah. as you do because yeah. that's Danny Thomas's real name. <laughs> There was a movie, in, in all fairness, there was a movie I did where a woman was shitting on all a glass right. coffee table that I was laying on the knee. So you could you can understand where I would make a mistake like that. And last but not least, and maybe least, did you play Man on Porch? <laughs> No, it was man under table. I always, this is what you always get wrong. You played man on porch, is my favorite IMDb credit of yours, in an, uh, an Amy Poehler TV movie called Escape from It's a Wonderful Life. Wow, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. They, they had me, uh, they were re, uh, they, they were taking, uh, 
It's a Wonderful Life and redubbing it. That's and, right. And I was the man on the porch in, you know, in a scene from It's a Wonderful Life. And what happened was It's a Wonderful Life would show all the time years ago because it was public domain. Sure. And this one never aired because right around that time that got switched around and somebody then owned Oh, it's a wonderful it never life. it never saw the light of day. No, so it's in Amy. We have to go to Amy Poehler's house. Yes, if we want to see if we want to see this, uh, that was fun. I don't think you got one right. <laughs> Dare Oh, well, that's that's you got Rick the platypus from my gym partner's a monkey. Very good. You know your own career very well. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever sit and look at your IMDb page on a lonely Tuesday I, in, you, a, in a hotel you, and, on the road? And the thing is, with these uh, pages, they're infamous for getting everything wrong. right yeah <laughs> you're infamous for getting yeah, everything wrong yeah, also while we wait for gilbert to find the men's room <laughs> we promise we'll come back to the show after a word from our sponsor don't go away do we have another caller mr spaventa yes we do we have brian in missouri with an acting question brian in missouri or kansas uh, <laughs> Sorry. Brian, what's your question? Yeah, the, um, first of all, I also want to congratulate you guys on the tricentennial uh, milestone. The tricentennial milestone, Jesus. That makes me feel old. Yeah. That, Sorry about that. Is, it a tri- is that what it's called, a tricentennial? I guess it is. We'll take it. Thank you very much. And also wish Gilbert and Dara a happy anniversary. Absolutely, a, a very happy anniversary. To and uh, Dara will take your sympathies too, if you're <laughs> willing to offer those. What's the question? Uh, basically, I wanted to ask a question. Um, back when uh, Gilbert got into Aladdin and he started doing uh, children's shows, uh, when he did "Are You Afraid of the Dark," what was it like working with future Hollywood actor Ryan Gosling? Oh, you worked with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Oh, I, I worked on "Are You Afraid of the Dark." Yeah, he was a kid. Yeah. When I worked with him. And so we have two things in common. Uh, we both worked on an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And uh, both of us were picked by People Magazine as Sexiest Man of the Year. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to brag about the issue I was in. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I was there with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Should we call him and see if he remembers? Yeah. See if he'll come and do the show? I'm sure. I'm sure he's got that on his resume. You're pals with Channing Tatum. Yeah. 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 Channing, Get Channing Tatum, Tatum on the show. Named his dick after me. He said in an interview that he calls his dick Kilbert. <laughs> A greater honor. You, you, so you really I'm can't Channing receive. Channing Tatum's dick. So you're... And <laughs> I, I, I was in that... Seymour Smoke, the smoke detector, in this uh, PSA for smoke detection you know, to keep batteries in your smoke detector. And I think a little girl who's in that is, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, oh, fuck. Uh, starts with an L. She's in the L, an L show? Uh, no, she, her name starts with an L. Like Laura, Laurie, something. Uh, she, she's the one who got, you know, one of those child actresses that got in loads of trouble. Lisa Loring? Not Lisa Loring. Who? 
Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. I think she's in that. Wow. So I worked with other big stars. <laughs> yes, you have. I'm going to go to a couple of questions that people posted on Patreon. Uh, Xander, with an X, what is Gilbert's favorite Walter Matthau performance, and would he please do a bit of dialogue from the Sunshine Boys? Yeah. Okay. It was in the Belasco Theater. It was the Marasco Theater. And it was in Goldberg. It was Shal. <laughs> <laughs> so we can assume your favorite Mathau performance is. No, I, I mean, I well, the two I like. Well, of course, the odd, the odd couple. couple, and uh, and the Sunshine Boys both were great. Yeah, this is the hundredth year of Walter Mathau's birth, by the way. So we might might get uh, Charlie Mathau on the show to talk about his dad or do something like that. We're, we're also it's also the fiftieth anniversary of the Odd Couple TV show. Wow. So we're going to do something, I think, for that. Gino has graciously been trying to get Eleanor Donahue, who played Felix's girlfriend on the show, to no avail. And, and no it, luck. It's, it's so scary when you look at stuff that doesn't seem that old. And like like to us, the odd couple I know. doesn't. But both the movie and TV show, we were thinking, let's have something that honoring it. And then we said, who's alive? Nobody. Yeah. No, one of the Pigeon Sisters. Yeah. And the kids who play, and the, the actors who played the children. Rob Henson from the UK. I would love to see Gilbert given the opportunity to play a dramatic role in a film. This has come up on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. I could see him playing a role like Bruce Dern did in Nebraska. <laughs> what would his dream dramatic role be? Do you have a dream dramatic role? Do you allow your do you indulge yourself in these these fantasies that you could play uh, yeah, a dramatic yeah, one, part? One day I'll do some really embarrassing, you know, like these actors always try to do that. L like oh, you mean a comedian going yeah, going straight, like yeah. Bill Murray doing the Razor's Edge? Uh, yes, you'll do yes, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'll do something, uh, or I'll 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 do King Lear on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Aaron Hagen wants to know, Gilbert, do you have a positive or negative audition story that stands out in your mind? Oh. Uh, other than perhaps losing the part of Mumbles in Dick uh, Tracy yes, yes. to Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> 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 They've been friends for 40 years, him and, <laughs> Hoffman and Beatty. How yeah. did you not get that yeah. part? <laughs> and like, like, like I always say, the only way my name and Dustin Hoffman's name could be in the same sentence is I've seen Gilbert Gottfried's acting and he's no Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one from here. Mikey Frank or Mikey Frankie with an E on the end. Why does Gilbert not have an action figure in some shape or form? Iago aside, is there an Iago figure? Is there an Iago? Oh, there's a few of those. Everyone yeah. these days has at least a Funko Pop depiction, so why not Gilbert? We need to stand up and demand representation. Anyone in this room would buy a Gilbert action figure? These two right there. Well, that, that's nothing you admit to in public. <laughs> <laughs> that's like saying... That's like holding a sign that's saying, yes, my life is that empty. <laughs> and, and then switch it over on the back. It says, dear God, please kill me now. <laughs> Knowing how much you hate serious questions, I'm going to ask you a serious yeah. question. Okay. 
and you joke a lot about your career, and you joke a lot about these performances. Is there any performance that you're actually genuinely proud of? And uh, I'm and I mean an acting role. Yeah. Oh well, um, I I was always liked because like in Beverly Hills Cop Two, that one scene, Sidney Bernstein. Yeah. I I always liked that because we like ignored the script. And we did it different each time. We did a million takes, and we did it each time. We're cracking up, and sometimes that could be horrible if the if the people are having fun mm-hmm. and the fun doesn't translate. Sure, sure. And that I mean, I remember singing a theater, and it was like explosive laughter. And it oh, also there too. While we always talk about like movie theaters have gone the way of vaudeville. Mm-hmm. So the idea of a comedy where, like, uh, an explosive laugh or scream, that's all gone. Comedies don't stay in theaters very long. I think the last comedy I saw with an audience was Bridesmaids. And, yeah, it's, a, it's an experience that I'm afraid is, is well, going like away. On TV recently, they had uh, Black Swan. and Very I, funny movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... I remember watching that. That that was winning Academy <laughs> Awards, and it was like a big hit, yeah. and everyone was seeing it. And I thought, nowadays, if it was released into a theater, it probably wouldn't. And if it was released into a theater, it would go into like one or two crappy art houses that nobody would ever see it. For laughs, it's no requiem for a dream. Yeah. That's what, we have some questions in the room. We have some nice people here. This is very intimate. And I know some people brought questions. And then we'll go back to the phones. and we'll We, we'll, we got to get, what's your name on the phone? Uh, uh, Ellen. Uh, oh. Requiem for a dream. Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn. Hey, she lives in New York. She's on the list. Yeah. Ellen Burstyn. Louis, Louis a, is she, here. She's a Jew, you know. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I was talking just yesterday. I was talking to Paul Schaefer, and Paul Schaefer said, you know, when you, when you had on uh, Bob, Bob Thomas, you know, uh, he, he, he said, well, Gilbert just wants to talk about who's Jewish and who's not Jewish. <laughs> who's Bob Thomas? <laughs> Was it what's his Who's name? Who's Bob Thomas? Who's Thomas? Dave Thomas. Jay, Dave Thomas. Yeah, Dave <laughs> Thomas. We had Jay and Dave, Bob. Dave Thomas just wanted to talk about who's Jewish and who's not Jewish. The Paul Schaefer yeah. impression is sounding a little like Floyd the Barber. Yeah, <laughs> it's sounding like a cross between Floyd the Barber and, and Norm Macdonald. Yes. <laughs> Lewis Johnson is here with a microphone for any of you guys in the room that have questions. I, I once bought a poster from Last of the Secret Agents. <laughs> He's doing Gino <laughs> stories again. All right, some somebody okay. stop him with a question. Okay. Lewis, do we have? I know we have one from Dave Seidel in the corner. Dave, he'll bring you. He'll hand you the mic. Dave was one of our engineers in the old days at Earwolf. All right, Gilbert, I got a uh, still fuck, marry, for kill for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a clean show, Dave. Fuck, marry, kill. Okay. Right. Larry Fine. Larry Fine. <laughs> Ted Healy. Ted Healy. 
Joe Besser. And Joe Besser. <laughs> well, you, you'd have to kill Ted Healy. <laughs> Someone Ted, did. Ted, yeah, yeah, Ted Healy was killed. Which proves my point. Because he was mean to the Three Stooges. And you don't do that. That's why he was killed. Uh, so, so that's easy. You kill Ted Healy and the other two... Well, I I guess I I'd like to, I'd I'd have to fuck uh, Larry Fine because <laughs> of that frizzy hair <laughs> and and uh. and and uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what what's his name? Joe Besser's the, Joe the... Besser always seemed like a nice person, <laughs> so I'd have to marry him, but I unfortunately. Unlike my wife, I couldn't slap uh, him because he he had it in his contract that he wouldn't get smacked. A good spousal abuse joke is, is always always wins over the room. Is that is, is that a satisfactory answer, Dave? You happy with that? So you'd marry Stinky. <laughs> Joe Besser. Do you know when I used to watch the Abbott and Costello show? <laughs> When he'd show up as Stinky, it used to scare me. In the little Lord a, Fauntleroy yes, outfit? Yeah. That would scare me <laughs> when he came out. I'd get very uncomfortable. Doing 500 of these with you, I've learned all your weird fears and phobias. <laughs> Any other questions in the room? Come on, we know you got them. This gentleman right here. Is it Josh? Josh. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering, how much editing do you guys do, and can you ever put out some of that content for us about. so we can... The what? You know, editing. How much editing, guys, does, we, they, you know, how much editing goes into yeah, the show? Like, and can you do minis of that so <laughs> well, we can get some well, of that stuff? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As Frank, Frank has told me on many occasions that, like, 90% uh, of the editing he does is trying to salvage my career. Much of it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pact. That's a pact. Darren and I made long ago. Yes. When when we started this. I'll be coming out with things that uh, that have killed smaller men. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect invitation. This is a, a perfect setup to show you how little Gilbert actually knows about how the show is produced. <laughs> we would record at Earwolf, and then he would he would saunter. <laughs> He would walk up to the engineer who had recorded the show and said, oh, these are the things you should take out of the show. And I said, Gilbert, he doesn't edit the show. I edit the show. An average episode has about five or six edits in it. Um, we cut things that are potentially fatal to a, to a career. Uh, also, things, things will get cut for time or, you know, we also have a lot of older guests Whose stories can yeah, the wander story off? Can you know just or, keep rattling or not have on. any kind of payoff? And then it really depends Basically on the guest. like stories I tell. Them. Sort of like these. The average episode has about five or six edits, and then every now and then you get an Artie Lang show that <laughs> with twenty six cuts. <laughs> so my wife I, knows how much I enjoy doing I, doing I, those. With with the Artie Lang one, I'm amazed any of it was able to be played on. I'm amazed that at this stage of your career, I still have to call you and read you a list of any of the things that I cut out of the show, <laughs> each more damning than the last one. 
Uh, any other any other questions from people in the room? The gentleman in the Plan Nine shirt. We love that shirt. Hi. Say your name. I'm Ken. Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi. Um, first of all, congr- notice no last names, Gilbert. None of them one. Yes. Congratulations on having your youngest guest ever. Yes, he is. <laughs> He's it. I'm a kid. Him and the problem child. Um, I was wondering, other than the famous pilot episode, have you ever canned an episode entirely, or wished you had? Yeah. You want to answer that one? Uh, the pilot well, episode. I love how you call it a pilot episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the pilot episode where you paid where you played Rob Petrie. Uh, we we the first one was Professor Irwin Corey. He was 109 years old at the time. God bless him. And it just it did, nothing worked. We weren't very good either in defense of the professor. We didn't know what we were doing. We were recording it in his house. Uh, the other ones that we dropped. And and the thing is, Professor Irwin Corey used to be uh, mixed up funny. <laughs> And now no, he was just the funny up. part was gone, but the mixed up part was <laughs> stronger than ever. There are th- there are three other episodes that never uh, that. No, why am I answering this gentleman? There are th- there are three other episodes that we didn't uh, run for various reasons. And I, and if you get me, uh, I don't drink, but yeah, we don't we don't share it. Well, we can't because they're because well, they're of, alive. They're alive. <laughs> one of them one of them was a person in bad health. And and the other two were uh, one we were asked not to run. Uh, yes. And the other two we ran, we decided not to run out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes is the answer to that question. Yeah. You want to do a couple of quick, uh, like one or two more quick calls? Uh, sure. How are we doing on time, Danny? Uh, we still got uh, ten minutes. Twenty. Twenty good minutes. And, and this man would like to know where he can get. A Gilbert blow-up sex doll. <laughs> Gino, I know you had a question. Lewis, can you? Thank you very much. Gino Salomon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> Friend of the show. Master I would Booker. like to know why you are so cruel to people who are so nice to you. <laughs> Dara, myself... But I want now, we talk about somebody who's gone, Marty Allen, the beloved Marty <laughs> yes. Allen, who at 90-something came to see you in Las Vegas. He did. Yes, see? That's but an honor. you do some other version of Marty Allen that we've now named uh, oh, oh, grotesque, grotesque Marty, Marty Allen. Because I used to do, when I first started, I used to do a really good Marty Allen. And then it, it transformed into this, like, basically Neanderthal, Marty Allen, where it Poor used Marty. to be, you know, just like that kind of thing, gravelly, and then it just became... How about Marty Allen in doing If I, if I Was a Rich Man? Marty Allen told us the filthiest jokes off mic right. when yes. we had him on the show. They were all brilliant. Right. You wouldn't tell one on the uh, on the air. And then, do you remember the night we we were sitting with him after his show, and you said yes. the Paul Lynn story? I asked about Paul Lynn, and he he says, "Oh yeah, Paul Lynn was a cunt." <laughs> and then he even leans into me and gives me a wink, like like. You and me, we understand this. 
And the last meanness story, there yeah. was a guy that we encountered who looked exactly like Buster Keaton. And do you remember how you talked to him? Uh, yeah, I used to. He looked like an, uh, well, an old washed up Buster Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, you remember Thank a you, young, Liz. handsome, hopeful Buster Keaton. <laughs> uh, he was like, really was old and weak, and he looked like Buster Keaton at his absolute worst. And I was following him around going, Ah, yeah, fuck Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) He he was an untalented piece of shit. (laughs) The Marx Brothers don't even fucking mention him to me. (coughs) And Laurel and Hardy were two fags. (laughs) He's a cruel man. Cruel but just. <laughs> Any other questions in the room? We'll go back. We'll go oh, back to the phones. Oh, this lady, this, 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 <laughs> let's this lady right here first, and then we'll do this gentleman. Yes. Tell, okay, tell us your is, name. Uh, my name's Laura. No last names, Laura. They'll hold it against you. Crawford. Laura Crawford. Um, I'm proud to be a Gilbert fan. You're so nice. This also kind of involves Gino. Um, uh oh. I'm liking the new Patreon, liking the new serious setup, but want to know does. Uh, your previous producers have control over the Sandra Bullock and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sound bites. I haven't heard them in quite some time. Well, we'll be bringing them back. <laughs> I hope so. At some point. We're, we're, we're still in transition. You like the Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Always have. Well, Gino was the one, as you know, yeah. that brought that to the show. With other goodies. Gino, do you remember what Sandra Bullock said to me in that interview? Let me refresh your memory. Because you have a busy schedule, and you tend to forget things. And, of course, you're not a young man anymore. Yeah, I think, if I remember it, because I don't listen, it wasn't that important to me. She said, yes, Gilbert, I will fuck you. <laughs> and I want you to know that I get texts from him, a picture of Sandra Bullock, and it says, you will never fuck her. <laughs> do, do you, are, you, are you still friends with Sandra Bullock? You still, does she still talk to you after all this? <laughs> I got one, before we jump to the phones, I got one last one. Uh, how much of your professional success did your parents get to witness? And did they, uh, did they, uh, your mom lived a fairly long time. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my father, none of it. None of it. And what, what, yeah. what was your mother's reaction? Well, at Because you had no showbiz in the family. Yeah, this was an alien none, thing. None, And it, it's, you know, it's, well, I, I talk about, in the documentary, Gilbert, I, I, I did mention, and I think about this, like, I wish I could bring them both back. Uh, just for like a day mm-hmm. and be able to say, okay, here, I, I want you to show you how I walk down the street and everyone wants my wants to have their picture taken with me. Because so my mother saw some of my six, my father, nothing. And, you know, he saw me of course. basically like a failure. Yeah. So I think I, 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 this is I another choked, thing. I got choked up. This, this is another thing I do on the show a lot. Uh, that's, 
<laughs> you know, it's, in the, Frank it's in the intro. And, and Gio <laughs> said to me, and other people have said this to me, <laughs> I, I, I love, I'll think of a really tragic story involving the guest. And in the middle, it, it always happens like in the middle of a, a great story they told, everybody's doubled over laughing, and it's an up, uh, wonderful feeling in the room. I'll go, so your, uh, your wife and child died in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Since and you bring so, it up, oh, it takes the air. Out of the- <laughs> what I was referring to for the if the hardcore uh, the uh, the non-hardcore listeners were confused the the uh, the reference to the deer population in Suffolk County, we had the the famous rock promoter Ron Delsner on the show, who's a great storyteller and oh, a, a, a weird character, and he was telling wonderful Beatles stories that only he knows. From the early days of the Beatles coming and playing Central Park. And he's, boy, it was, the show was rolling. And it was one Beatles. You can go back and hear this episode. Although your interlude was cut out of that show. (laughs) To answer your question. And the Beatles stories were great. And it was about him and his sister sneaking into the Beatles hotel rooms. And they, and they, they took cigarettes and they, they, they pretended the Beatles had smoked the cigarettes and they sold them and they smeared food on the plates and they sold them out of the trunk of his car. Ringo ate this. And he's got all these wonderful stories. And the show, it, it hits that moment in the show that you're always waiting for where everything clicks. About 25 minutes in, it's rolling, everybody's comfortable. And then Gilbert says... You're an animal rights guy. What about the deer population out in, in East Hampton? You've been trying to save the deer. He turns on a dime and launches in to a spirited defense of the deer population in the Hamptons that stopped the show in its tracks for 20 minutes. And I know it's coming out of the show, so it's 20 minutes of me. Oh. <laughs> well, yes, there is Lyme disease. Dan, should we do one? That's, that's one of his. Is a, a, a listener asked, does Gilbert have a special talent? I think that is your special yes. talent. <laughs> We're going to take one more call, Dan, and we'll, uh, we'll turn over the room. Well, we, the we, next- we have two, and they've been holding most of the show. Can we okay. take two? Yeah, we'll squeeze them in. Quick. Thank you. All right, here's... Uh, Ernest from Staten Island with a question about the Ramones. Oh, that's for you, Gil. Oh, yeah. Hi, on, Ernest. On, Hello, on guys. Night. What's the question? Well, one of my favorite things that Gilbert ever did uh, was uh, when he was on uh, USA Up All Night with the Ramones, where he was Gilbert, the fifth Ramon. And, um, and I just want to know if, uh, if Gilbert has any memories or stories about um, hanging around with them or working with them. Anything, anything about sort? the Ramones. Well, one time I was having uh, an overdose, uh, <laughs> and and Joey yeah. carried me. Really? The- <laughs> was this in Milwaukee? Yeah. And and I think Big Lee, who was a former kid show. So you don't have said, a Ramon story. You're, you're dying of an overdose. What are you, a cunt? <laughs> Some people argue that he said, "What are you a pussy?" Uh. But I, I know I was there. You sure that wasn't Johnny Ramone? I heard he was a handful. 
I, I think it's I think it's safe to say, Ernest, that he does not have a Ramon story. He's but okay. they were Jewish. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're gonna squeeze in another call. Thanks, Ernest, and thanks for supporting the show. Ben Gurion. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Jewish. Thank you. Really. <laughs> Who's the last caller, Dan? Last call on the line is Lauren from Florida with a music question. Ooh, a music question. Laura from Florida. Hi. How Hi, are Laura. You? How are you? Good. How are you? Two women in you, one you, show, Gil. Yeah. 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 You, know, you know me from Facebook. Is this Laura Pinto? Yes, it is. I know you, Hi, Laura. Yes. yes, and I'm so happy that I got through. Hi, You're... Gilbert and Dara. Happy anniversary. See this? Look at that. Nice. Classy. Gilbert's, think, Gilbert's thinking of the jail. most rude thing he can come up with. Laura, thanks for calling in. Thanks for supporting the show. What's your question? Uh, well, my question is kind of off the wall a little bit, you know, like me. Why uh, should Gilbert, today be any different? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but Gilbert, uh, what would you consider to be, uh, out of all the songs out there, which, of course, is millions of them, what would you consider to be your personal theme song? What is your? That's a great question. What would be your, like Jack Benny had a theme song and... Gleason had a theme song, and what what would your theme song be? Boy, that's, uh, I've been to paradise, but I've never been to me. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. (laughs) Good for you. That would be good for you. I'm going to need to pick a piece of music to close this show out. Yes. So that's a, that's a very good question. I'll, we'll have to find one. What about your song from Aladdin? Oh, uh, A Whole New World? No, the one you sing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I've had it. I hate to be dramatic, but it's time for me to fly the coop. That's it. That was one of them. And the other one was Forget About That Guy. Forget about the way you fell into his eyes. Yeah. So that w- that's the closest thing you have to a theme song. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, I w- we could end with that, but we'd be sued. Nah, Back to the yes, Stone Age yes. by, by Disney. <laughs> Laura, thanks for the support. Thanks for helping with Ron Dante. Oh, thank you. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for all you do for us, and thanks for uh, the question. Oh, my pleasure. And congratulations to all of you on the 300 show. Mile You're so show. sweet. Thank you for being the rare woman that actually listens to this show. <laughs> Ron Delsner. Yeah. Be, before he was even on the show, like a couple of days, he was booked for it. And I ran into him at some party somewhere. And so I knew him for about half a second. And he already told me, well, he had produced Groucho on... Uh, oh, at Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, at Carnegie Hall. Right. And he said, you know, uh, that uh, Aaron Fleming... She used to suck Groucho's dick. <laughs> and he goes, and the guy, the, the music, the Marvin Hamlish, he had a shot at her, too. <laughs> you couldn't go out on the sweet Aladdin song. Just a nice little coda. I want to thank some people. 300 shows. Staggering, and and as I said, with the mini episodes, almost five hundred. This man is saying, "Do you have any naked pictures of Gilbert that, <laughs> that, I, that I can take home and look at?" 
at the homeless shelter. <laughs> Dara, do naked photos of Gilbert exist? <laughs> I'm not talking about x-rays. That's why I... <laughs> want to thank a couple of people. We, we're, we'll thank everybody uh, properly on social media. A lot of people uh, are responsible for, for making this show and, and putting this all together. I, w- I will thank some people here. Jack Vaughn at Sirius, who has welcomed us here with open arms. Jim McClure, who was the gentleman who was in the room before. Uh, Lewis Johnson right here, one of our engineers. Dance Paventa in the booth. Uh, Stephen Varley, who's on vacation. Our friends at Starburns, Brian Baldinger, Jason Smith, Aristotle Acevedo, our new editor, has been doing a great job. Quickly, we will thank the Johns, John Seals, John Murray, John Fodiatis, John Tesler, Greg Pear, our wonderful Twitter man, Mike McPadden, who runs our Facebook page, David Simon, our photographer, who is under the weather and couldn't be here, Dave Seidel, our former Earwolf engineer, is in the room. Um, Steve Hanna, Eric Hornman, Wade Snook, Eric Fusco's here, who started the Listener Society on Facebook. And, of course, my wife, Genevieve, who does so much for this show behind the scenes. You have no idea. And, of course, Dara. Anybody else? Anyone you want to thank? And I know the answer to that question. No. No. <laughs> uh, but I do remember when, I think it was Mayor Koch. Yes. They started the, the John Hour. Do you remember when this was going on? I don't remember the John Hour. To, to get rid of prostitution... They had the John Hour where they would read the names of the Johns on on the radio. I <laughs> I don't remember that, but I want you to. We're gonna go. We're gonna go out on some. <laughs> I thought you wanted to thank Ed Koch for a minute. We'll go out on something sweet. A childhood memory for me, back to the first time I saw you, yes. in, that, in that lonely room at the comic strip. Yes. At, and you, I think you came on at like 1230 at night or something yeah. uh, to an impressionable 18-year-old boy who ever knew that we would be doing a show together 40 years later. Um, a little bit, if you will, for the fans, Gavin McLeod and Tony Curtis share a donut. <laughs> yeah, this is Gavin McLeod. Tony Curtis talking to Gavin McLeod. Hello, Tony. Hello, Gavin. How are you? I'm fine. Would you like some coffee? Okay. Would you like a donut also? All right. I will have a donut too. Well, so you will have two donuts? No. I meant you are eating a donut and I shall eat the same. So you will eat the same donut that I am eating? No. I meant although we are both eating two entirely different donuts, the very fact that they are both donuts puts them in the same food group. So are you saying like apples and oranges are both in the fruit family? No. Because the orange is, in fact, a citrus fruit. Later, that same day, what then of the coconut? (laughs) We want to thank you guys for turning out so much. 300 300 shows, Gil. 
Yeah. Jeez. How about it? It feels like more. <laughs> it does. Thank you all. Thanks to the, to the team here. Thank you guys for showing up and for being a part of this. Thanks for listening to 300 shows. Seven years. And, and you stop looking at me and licking your lips. <laughs> because it's... <laughs> Thanks all. That was fun. Say goodnight, Gilly. Good night, Gilly. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to the super brilliant and just wonderful person, just a, a person that Christ is a, a distant second. <laughs> The wonderful Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Thank you. Take your time. Okay, baby. You're coming up any second now. Go for it, Gilbert. I'm coming home. I've done my time. Now I've got to know what is and isn't mine. If you receive my letter telling you I'd soon be free, then you'll know just what to do. Hurry! If you still want me. Get to it! If you still want oh, I'm, me. I'm so impressed. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still want me? If I don't see a ribbon round the old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. Go ahead. If I don't, I don't see, see a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Why am I sounding like you? <laughs> okay, Gilbert, come on. Bus driver, please, please look for me. <laughs> Cause I, I couldn't bear to see what, what I might see. <laughs> I really still in prison. And they tell who's who? <laughs> a simple <laughs> yellow ribbon's what I need to set me free. I wrote and told her, please. I wrote, I wrote and her, told her, her Okay, it, but it's on you now. Chorus, go ahead. An old oak tree. Tie a ribbon around the 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 old oak tree. Just get on the bus. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. I know why she married you. She sings like you too. The yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. The hand for Gilbert. Sir, yes. this was a first oh. show business. <laughs> <laughs>